You are listening to the Lakeview Podcast from Lakeview Baptist Church in Lacey Lakeview, Texas. Worship with us on Sundays at 1045 at 125 North Bermuda Avenue in Waco, Texas, or find us on the web at facebook.com slash lbc.laceylakeview. The Lord is my shepherd. You don't see shepherds as much anymore, do you? I guess you don't see sheep every day either, if you're anything like me, and your commute doesn't involve driving by some sheep. If you do happen to be driving down some winding farm-to-market road out here in McLennan County, despite all the sheep you might actually see, I bet you probably won't see some folksy-looking robed fellow watching over them with rod and staff in hand. That's because sheep don't really need shepherding anymore from what little I know about sheep ranching. They've got barbed wire to keep them in their pasture. Nowadays, most sheep don't need help finding green grass to eat or quiet waters to drink from. They've got fertilized fields in the summer to eat and in the winter when the grass is gone, they've got feed and hay. And if there's, if there's no water, I imagine the rancher could just pipe some in. And even if sheep had brains big enough to fear the dark shadow of death, they wouldn't have to worry too much these days. They've got vaccinations to keep them from getting sick. They've got a farmer with a 22 or even a watchful donkey to keep the coyotes away. They'll be nice and safe until they end up in my oven. We don't see much shepherding anymore. But even if you can force yourself to imagine this pastoral shepherd scene in Psalm 23, we might still take this precious prayer and promise for granted or maybe just forget about it. Maybe feel like we don't really have any real reason to pray it, save it a funeral. Oh, we might know it. We might love it. It's one of my favorites. Maybe yours too. We might even be able to quote it from memory. I hope you can. But do we need it? After all, do people need shepherding anymore? Can't we feed ourselves with more options than we know what to do with at the grocery store? Most of us don't have to worry about where we're going to sleep tonight. We don't need anybody to help us rest. What's the big deal in praying, I shall not want? Or another way to say that is, I'm not going to lack for anything when we've never lacked anything to begin with. We've never known what it was to be in want. Maybe you have, but I sure haven't. We've got our phones if we can't find the right path. We've got heat and AC to keep us comfortable. Do we really need somebody leading us with rod and staff? All right, there's your answer. Most people nowadays might not particularly feel the need for any shepherding. Frankly, maybe you don't, but outside these walls, people might even find it a little insulting to say that we aren't perfectly capable of taking care of ourselves. But of course, this prayer isn't written for most people, despite the fact that its words are among the most widely known words in the whole Bible. 
This is a prayer written for and by the Lord's people. And those are those small, insignificant people that God first rescued from slavery and led through a wilderness. And then the ragtag, vagabond, motley crew that a Jewish rabbi came and said, follow me to. And then here today, the foolish, the insignificant, the weak little people and little churches that make up God's family. It's our prayer. This prayer is for people who learn or who have learned, like David when God first called him, just how vulnerable and helpless we are without God's ever-present help and protection. Carrie read the story for us earlier. There was Samuel the prophet come down to Bethlehem, and he'd come to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the new king of the nation of Israel. But after Jesse had paraded seven of his impressive sons in front of Samuel, Samuel asked for none of them, but he asked that the eighth come and see. Who wasn't even there. He, he was out keeping watch over the sheep, the youngest, little David. And you have to know, as incredible as the story is, I mean, David literally is the David and Goliath story, the, the rags to riches, the little guy who wins in the end. But you have to know that when David, five minutes before, is watching sheep, and five minutes later the oil is running over his head, and he's being told he's going to be the king of Israel, he has got to be thinking somewhere in his brain, I can barely keep these few sheep that we have safe and fed How am I supposed to lead a whole nation of people? And yet, what did David say in that short time he had to learn God's protection before he faced off against Goliath? He said, The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. David learned and knew what it meant to need a shepherd to call on Him, to depend on Him. The Lord is our shepherd. And so we learn as we pray this psalm, although it doesn't say as much, but it's all there in the subtext, that what? We are sheep. We need constant care and guidance. No matter how grown up or independent or stable and comfortable we might be tempted to feel on our own, As God's people, we learn again and again to admit that we need God to make us feed in green pastures, to lead us by quiet waters. And that's not just pleasant imagery that describes the smooth, happy life that we have as God's people, although there's some truth to that. But we learn from Jesus the Good Shepherd that all that pastoral imagery about quiet waters and green pastures and right paths, that's not some metaphor for how smooth our life is going to be, but it's a metaphor for the abundant life that God has come in Jesus to bring us into, out of death and into life. And that's definitely something that we can't do for ourselves no more than a sheep can feed itself or water itself, or find a place to rest. No more than we can restore our souls, or find the right path to walk in, 
We admit that God does all that for us. But God does all that for us not simply because we need Him to, not simply because God feels so sorry for us, but because of what? His namesake. Because He is love. And because of His great love for us, His goodness and His mercy are literally running after us all the days of our lives. And because God has chosen to be our shepherd and to lead us from death to life, to save us from ourselves, to restore us, to supply our need, we learn to thank God that we are 100% dependent on Him. And that's how we learn to say, I will not want for anything. Because isn't it funny, in the abundance of our stuff, when there's really nothing that we need that we don't have, when we're safe and warm in our big houses and we're happy and making that money in our jobs and we forget that we need a shepherd, isn't it funny that we're never satisfied? We never stop wanting, despite all that stuff. But when we remember that despite all that stuff, the most important things in life, we can't give and fix for ourselves, that we're 100% dependent on our shepherd, that's when we remember that God is our shepherd. We, shan't, we won't want for anything, at least not anything that matters, that God gave His own Son for us. And what more could He give? We start to realize there's nothing that really matters that we don't already have in Christ. By praying this psalm, we learn to become more and more dependent on God, our shepherd. We learn how needy and helpless we are without His grace, but that His grace is more than enough. It's enough for our failures. It's enough for our guilt. It's enough for our pain. It's enough for our insecurities and our addictions. It's enough even when we're staring death in the face. And the more we realize that God is our all-sufficient shepherd, we start to act and look more and more like a flock of sheep. Now, it would be strange enough to, as we're driving home this afternoon to see a shepherd leading a flock down the street. That would be weird. That might cause you to do a double take. But how much stranger would it be to see a people who are at the same time completely dependent on God and at the same time completely free from fear and want so that they actually dare to walk in God's paths even when they're difficult, even when they go through the valley of the shadow of death. Because it's when we're unafraid because God is our shepherd that we're able to love people as ourselves and God's love casts out fear. It's when we're satisfied that God really is our shepherd and we won't want that those old temptations and those addictions and habits that have whipped us 1,000 times and more suddenly don't have any power over us anymore. It's when we're so convinced that God's rod and staff are guiding us and comforting us and saving us that we start to not even give a hoot what happens. And we say, I'm going to pursue my calling because it's God who's calling me and He is my shepherd. 
Maybe this prayer does sound strange to modern ears who don't know about sheep and shepherd. Let alone for people who don't know about the Lord or that, the, that He might be a shepherd to us. That's strange stuff, as popular as this psalm is. But we are a strange people, aren't we? And the more we pray this strange prayer, the stranger we become. Because, after all, love is probably the strangest thing there is in this world, if you really think about it. And when we become the fearless people of God's pasture, who are convinced that God is going to shepherd us and protect us no matter what, we really start to love God with everything and our neighbors, all of them, as ourselves, as, God love, as God's love casts out fear. Maybe the strangest thing about this psalm isn't the sheep-shepherd picture that formed the beginning of the psalm, whether you could picture that or not. But there's those strange promises at the end, and we know them by heart so well, and we've, we've read them so many times, even if we don't know the whole psalm, that I think we forget how strange and incredible they really are. Let me read them again for us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And it's also in the presence of my enemies that you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. It's actually in the valley of the shadow of death and in the presence of our enemies and with danger poised on every side that we learn to say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And it's when we feel homeless or like the house is fixing to collapse on us that we learn to pray, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know if any of you were privileged to see or have seen the first uh, film edition of The War of the Worlds. I think it came out like 1953, 1952. It's one of those classic kind of thriller drive-in movies, a lot of campy special effects. Uh, but there's a scene, and if you've never seen uh, War of the Worlds, it's about an alien invasion that happens. Everybody's freaking out, and there's nothing that can be done until actually in the end, God kind of does this cool thing, uh, at least in the old version. I don't know about it in the new one. But there's a scene where as the aliens are first landing and the ships are kind of just sweeping over and destroying everything in their path, they have this like huge laser beam that's just blowing up everything and the, the armies are throw, throwing everything they can at them and it's not doing anything and they're just, they're just hovering right along. Of course, you know, watching now, they're little like toy plastic things that are hung on fishing rods. But still, that was cool special effects back then. Well, everybody's freaking out and... It, it looks like it's the end of the world, and a priest is actually a character in the beginning of the movie. And he's, he decides, well, what if we just tried talking to them? What if instead of just shooting at them, we, we actually just went up to them and said, hey, you know, we don't mean any harm. It's going to be okay. And so this is burned into my memory because my dad made me watch movies like this growing up. The priest takes off his hat. He's got his, his priest collar on, and he takes his Bible in his hand, puts it to his heart. 
and he starts marching out into the battlefield towards these terrible alien spaceships. And he starts to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And at just about that point, zap, and he's gone. And I think, hopefully that doesn't disturb you or disappoint you, that was a spoiler alert for the movie. That was so shocking to me at the time as a child. It's like, oh no, God won't save us from the aliens, right? If that's a thing, right? There's something about suffering, which all of us know really well. And there's something about serving the Lord in the midst of great difficulty. When there's risks involved, when there's failure that's clearly leering around the corner, when we feel so vulnerable and helpless, kind of like our Lord on the cross, if you think about it, that this promise, and not just this promise, but the whole of Scripture that God has chosen us and chosen to protect us and love us and call us and use us no matter what, that all sort of comes to a point. And God's going to have to show up and do something or not. Isn't it funny that it's in those moments that to the world it might look like God hasn't shown up. We still are suffering. The enemies might get us. We might walk through the valley of the shadow of death and go on over. Of course, that's going to happen for all of us eventually. It's in those moments when we can claim the Lord is my shepherd that God's power and promise shows up the most powerfully. And yes, some folks, like eight-year-old me watching that film, might think that's God not showing up. But to us, who know the path of the Good Shepherd, who not, just, who not only promised to walk with us to be our shepherd, but who walked for us in that path, depending on the Father to be His shepherd, went all the way into the pit of death all the way into the presence of His enemies. And our enemies, and the enemies of God. And did what looked like defeat and death. But to us who know Him, we know that's life. So I hope that we take this promise to heart. I hope we don't take it for granted. I hope that we pray this psalm. Man, as often as you think about it, if this isn't one you've memorized... This is one to memorize. God is our shepherd. Let's pray together.